Chapter 14 of With Cortez in Mexico. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. With Cortez in Mexico by George Alfred Henty. Chapter 14 In Mexico. The terrible vengeance taken by the Spaniards at Cholula struck terror into the minds of the Mexicans. The white men had shown, in their conflict with the Tlascalans, how terrible they were in battle, and it now seemed that treachery was of no avail against them. The cities in the neighborhood of Cholula hastened to send messages expressive of submission to the terrible white warriors, accompanied by presents of all kinds. Montezuma saw, with awe and affright, that even the oracles of the gods could not be depended upon against these strangers, and that bribes, force, and treachery had alike failed to arrest their march towards his capital. Vast numbers of victims were again offered up on the altars, but no favorable responses were returned, for the priests, seeing how complete had been the failure of their predictions as to events at Cholula, were unwilling again to commit themselves. The emperor, consequently, sent fresh ambassadors laden with presents to Cortes, with assurances that he was in no way responsible for the attack upon them, and that he considered they had done well in punishing its authors. Cortes endeavored to induce the inhabitants of the city to embrace Christianity, and would have resorted to force here as at Campoala, but he was dissuaded by Father Almedo, who, as on former occasions, urged that conversions effected by force were of little use, and that the cause would be injured rather than benefited by such measures. Christianity would, as a matter of course, result from the success of the Spaniards, and that success would be imperiled by exciting the animosity of the whole people by violence to their gods. As the great Teocali had been captured in fair fight, and a large portion of its buildings burnt, Cortes converted a massive stone edifice that had escaped the flames into a church, and erected a gigantic crucifix on the summit of the Teocali, visible from all points of the city. A fortnight after his entrance to Cholula, Cortes again began to move forward. His Campoalan allies, who had fought with great bravery against the Tlascalans and had rendered him immense assistance upon the march, now asked to be allowed to return home. For much as they believed in the prowess of the whites, the dread of Montezuma's name was too great for them to dare trust themselves in his capital. Cortes dismissed them with many presents, and, with his Tlascalan army, set forward towards the capital. As they proceeded on their way, parties came in from various towns on the plateau with friendly messages. The enormous taxation imposed to keep up the luxurious court of the emperor pressed heavily upon the land, and the greater portion of the inhabitants hailed, 
with real satisfaction the coming of a power that appeared likely to overthrow the aztec tyranny had it not been for this widespread disaffection the little army of cortez would in spite of its bravery and superior weapons have been powerless against the vast hosts which could have been hurled against it but the people of the empire in general regarded mexico as its oppressor and tyrant and hailed the opportunity of freeing themselves from its dominations cortez except when the question of religion was concerned was politic in the highest degree and inspired all the natives who came to him with the full belief that in him they would have a kind and generous protector against montezuma warm as were the assurances of friendship sent by that monarch the spaniards were well aware that no confidence could be placed in them their new friends indeed informed them that he was already preparing for an attack upon the spaniards and that the straight and level road had been blocked up in order that they might be forced to take their passage through the mountains where they could be attacked and overwhelmed at points at which their cavalry and artillery would be unable to act on arriving therefore at the place where the roads had been blocked cortez caused the piled-up obstacles to be removed and the army proceeded by the level road where they felt confident in their power to defend themselves if attacked upon the march roger sometimes kept with juan and pedro at other times walked besides malincha who although wholly devoted to cortez had yet a warm and kindly feeling for her former friend cortez himself often consulted roger as to the roads and places ahead for he always received the native descriptions with some doubt as he could not be sure whether they were honestly given after passing across the plateau the little army ascended the steep range of hills separating it from the table-land of mexico the cold was sufficient to affect them seriously after the heat of the plains and the difficulties of taking up the guns and their ammunition were great this work was principally performed by the native allies the spaniards holding themselves in readiness to repel any attack that might be made upon them in the forest-clad hills or in the deep defiles but no foes showed themselves and they at last gained the western slopes whence the plains of mexico burst into sight the spaniards stood astonished as roger had done on his first journey at the beauty of the prospect but the sight of the numerous cities telling of an immense population filled them with uneasiness and a clamor presently arose that to march onward against such overwhelming odds was nothing short of madness and that having accomplished such vast things they had done sufficient for honor and should now return with the spoils they had captured to the coast but as before the enthusiasm and influence of cortez soon reanimated their courage he and the other leaders went among them and by argument and entreaty persuaded them again to form their ranks and press forward and in a short time the army wound down from the heights 
into the valley happily for them the ruler of mexico was altogether dominated by superstitious fears against native enemies he had shown himself a resolute and valiant leader had carried on numerous successful wars and had by force of arms greatly extended his dominions but against these strange white enemies his faculties seemed altogether to fail him he had for years given himself up to the priesthood and in this crisis instead of consulting with his trusted generals he was swayed wholly by the advice of the priests and sought protection not from the armies at his command but from the gods whom he strove to influence in his favor by hecatombs of human victims sacrificed upon their altars in the month that had elapsed since he joined cortez at tlascala roger had made considerable progress in spanish and although incapable of supporting a long conversation with his comrades he could make himself understood in simple matters his behavior at the fight in cholula had gained him the respect of the old soldier who however was not wholly satisfied with him the young fellow is no coward he said to pedro when the mexicans were pressing us sorely he fought as stoutly and well as any in our ranks he is well skilled in the use of the sword which is wonderful seeing that the mexicans among whom he has been brought up are but poor hands with that weapon and both with thrust and point he showed himself perfectly at home with the heavy blade the general gave him i saw him pressed at one time by four mexicans together and was making to his assistance but there was no need for it he ran one through the body and with heavy downright blows well-nigh cleft the heads of two others and the fourth with a cry of astonishment and fear sprang back into the crowd but though he fought so stoutly when attacked he showed less ardor in the assault and lagged behind when we were pursuing the enemy i like him none the worse for that juan pedro said he has lived among these people and though i hear that when they heard of our landing they would have sacrificed him and he had to fly for his life and fight hard to make his escape he must in other respects look upon them without animosity and doubtless he felt some pity for the poor wretches i felt some pity myself juan said but as they had intended so treacherously towards us and proposed to put us all to a cruel death i did not let my pity interfere with my sword arm ah but you have been accustomed to battles and bloodshed all your life juan one does not take to the trade of killing all at once and i like him none the worse that he was disinclined for the slaughter of the people among whom he had been brought up well we shall see the old soldier grumbled it seems to me that when two or three hundred men are fighting against a whole nation and that nation proposes to cut all their throats on the altars of their gods it is not a time for scruples i approve of the orders the general gave that no one was to injure women and children and i heartily wish that such were always the orders but when it comes to men who have set their minds upon killing me i don't draw nice distinctions and i just smite where i see a chance 
the news that the spaniards had crossed the mountains and had entered the valley completed the dejection and despair of montezuma and after shutting himself up in his palace and refusing food he at last turned from the gods from whom he could obtain no assistance and summoned a meeting of his counsellors these were divided in opinion cacama was at the head of the peace party he pointed out that had they intended to oppose the advance of the white men by force of arms the whole strength of the empire should have been dispatched to dispute the passage of the mountains as that had not been done they should now be received in friendly fashion as the ambassadors of the great king whom cortez claimed to represent some of the other counsellors led by cuatlahua montezuma's brother were in favor of turning out all the forces and repelling the invasion but cacama's counsel prevailed and an embassy was dispatched under his leadership to greet the spaniards and conduct them to the capital the spanish army advanced slowly they halted for two days at amakamakan where they were well received and hospitably entertained and presented with a considerable sum in gold they then marched forward to ahazinko a town standing at the southern extremity of lake chalco and partly erected on piles rising from the lake itself here as at venice canals took the place of roads and all traffic was carried on in boats upon the following morning a messenger arrived with the news that the king of tezcuco was approaching as an ambassador from the emperor and in a short time the royal procession approached the city cacama was borne in a magnificent litter shaded by a gorgeous canopy and was attended by a number of nobles and officials as the palanquin neared the spot where cortez was standing cacama left his litter and advanced towards him saluting by touching the ground with his hand and raising it in the air cortez also advanced and embraced the young prince who told him that he came as the ambassador of the emperor to welcome him to his capital an exchange of presents took place and cortez assured the prince of the friendliness of his intentions and of the respect he entertained for the emperor cacama then withdrew and returned at once to mexico while the army resumed its march roger did not make any attempt to approach the prince after his interview with cortez he knew that he would have received from cuitcatl the news that he had surmounted the dangers of his journey and joined the spaniards at tlascala and thought it would be better to defer presenting himself to the prince until he could do so more privately at tezcuco he considered it possible that montezuma might have blamed cacama for his escape and that if he were to greet him it would be reported to the emperor who might regard it as a proof that there had been a secret understanding between them and that cacama had aided his flight crossing the causeway that divided the lake of chalco from that of zakikal the army marched to iztapalapan a large town with a royal residence governed by the emperor's brother cuatlahua the prince had assembled a number of the great nobles and cortez was received with great state and ceremony 
and after the usual presentation of gifts a banquet was served to the spaniards in one of the great halls of the palace after this cortez was conducted over the gardens which were the finest in mexico they contained all the vegetable productions of the empire with magnificent aviaries and a fish pond built of stone nearly a mile in circumference at daybreak next morning that of november eighth fifteen nineteen the spaniards were mustered and again set forward the four hundred white troops led the way they were followed by the baggage after which came what was numerically the main portion of the army six thousand five hundred tlascalan soldiers keeping on by the shore of the lake and crossing the narrow strip of land dividing the lake of zokical from that of tezcuco they arrived at the head of the great causeway running across the lake to the island on which the capital was built the causeway was a massive construction built of large stones laid in cement and was wide enough to permit of ten horsemen riding abreast the shores of the lake on either side were closely dotted with towns and villages and the lake itself was well-nigh covered with the canoes and rafts of the natives the spaniards saw too with surprise and admiration floating gardens some of them of considerable extent on the surface of the lake covered with flowers and shrubs the scene was the most beautiful that had ever met their eyes and they were filled with delight and admiration halfway across the causeway they came across the fort of zolak here a massive stone wall twelve feet high crossed the dike and stretched out on to the lake on either side towers were erected at its angles and properly defended it could have resisted the attack of an army an archway gave passage through the wall here a great number of nobles were assembled who welcomed the spaniards with formal ceremony and the army then marched forward along the dike till it reached a wooden drawbridge near the gate of the city as they crossed this a splendid procession was seen approaching it was preceded by three great officers of state bearing golden wands behind them the emperor himself lay in his palanquin borne on the shoulders of nobles with a canopy of rich featherwork sparkling with jewels above his head montezuma alighted when within a short distance and with the canopy still carried over his head and leaning upon his brother and nephew he advanced towards cortez the general dismounting went forward with a few of his principal officers to meet him the emperor received his guest with courtesy and expressed his pleasure at seeing him in his capital while cortez replied with expressions of profound respect accompanied by thanks for the superb presence that montezuma had sent him the emperor re-entered his litter and the spaniards followed with music playing and colors flying although already familiar with mexican architecture they were astonished by the magnificence of the buildings that bordered the great streets along which they marched here were the mansions of the nobles built of a red porous stone and covering a large space of ground the flat roofs were protected by stone parapets and many of them were laid out as gardens 
Between these mansions were broad terraces, which presented a mass of flowers. Here and there were great marketplaces, surrounded by porticos of stone, and above all the temples, with their towering pyramids, rose high in the air. Along the whole line crowds of people watched the procession of the troops, gazing with surprise and admiration at the cavaliers on horseback and at the flashing armor and arms of the Spaniards, and with wrath and indignation at the Tlascalan army which followed in their rear. The street was in many places intersected by canals. Passing over these on light bridges, they at last reached a great square near the center of the city, on one side of which rose the huge temple of the war-god of the Aztecs. Facing this was a palace of Montezuma's father, which had been appropriated by the emperor as quarters for the Spaniards. The emperor himself received them in the courtyard, presented Cortez with a magnificent necklace, and then, saying he would visit them later on, withdrew. The palace was large enough to afford accommodation for the whole army, and, as it was surrounded by a massive stone wall, flanked with towers, Cortez saw, with satisfaction, that it could without difficulty resist any sudden attack. He placed sentries on the walls and planted his cannon to command the approaches, and in order to prevent any chance of a quarrel arising, he forbade any soldiers to leave the palace without orders. A large number of Mexican slaves had been appointed to attend upon the strangers, and a meal was speedily served by them to the troops, who were then permitted to take a sleep for some hours during the heat of the day. The emperor paid another visit in the evening and had a long conversation with Cortez, distributing a large number of rich presents among the Spaniards before leaving. After he had left, they celebrated their arrival in the city by a salute with their cannon, whose thunder added to the impression produced upon the natives by the tales they had heard of the prowess of their visitors and heightened their belief in the supernatural powers of the Spaniards. The next day Cortes returned the emperor's visit. He was accompanied by a few of his principal officers and five or six soldiers. The palace was of immense size, built, like the rest of the houses, of red stone, and ornamented with marble. Fountains sparkled in the courts through which the Spaniards passed, and crowds of Aztec nobles thronged the squares and great halls. The walls of these apartments were hung with richly dyed cotton, or with draperies of gorgeous featherwork, while the fumes of incense rose up in clouds from censers. Montezuma, surrounded by a few of his nobles, received them, and Cortez at once opened to him what he considered to be the chief object of his enterprise, and through the medium of Marina expounded the doctrines of Christianity, and besought the emperor to turn from his false gods. As Montezuma had himself been a priest and was an ardent devotee of his religion, it was scarcely to be expected that he would favorably entertain the proposal to change his religion. He answered courteously that, no doubt, the god of Cortes was good to the Spaniards, just as his own gods were good to him. 
what his visitors said of the creation of the world was similar to what he himself believed his people had occupied the land but for a few years having been led there by a great being who after giving them laws had withdrawn to the regions of the east when he left he had promised that he or his descendants would again visit them and resume his empire the wonderful deeds of the spaniards their complexion the fact that they came from the east all showed that they were the descendants of this god your sovereign beyond the waters is i know the rightful lord of all i rule in his name you Mollinson, are his ambassador and you and your brethren shall share what i have he then dismissed his visitors with fresh presents Mollinson was the name by which cortez was universally known by the natives malincha was ever with him and they connected him with her and called him by the masculine form of her name but gratified as the spaniards were at the kindness of their reception and within the munificent gifts showered upon them they could not but feel that their position was a precarious one they were in the centre of a great city with a warlike population it was broken up by its canals with their movable bridges into a series of fortresses and it would be well-nigh hopeless to endeavour by force to make their way out of it at present all seemed fair but they were well aware that montezuma had endeavoured in every way save by open war to prevent their coming and that influenced as he was by the oracles of the gods he might at any moment exchange his apparent friendship for open enmity two days after arriving at the capital roger asked malincha if she could obtain permission from the general for him to cross the lake to tezcuco in order that he might pay his friends there a visit presently she returned saying that the general himself would speak to him roger had been named sancho by the spaniards as he had not ventured to give his own name and it was supposed that he had forgotten that which he had borne as a child sancho the general said i know from what marina says that you have great intelligence though you have so long been cut off from your own people you see that our position here is a strange one we are guests and yet to some extent we are prisoners the tlascalans with us are hated by the mexicans and either between them and the natives or maybe between some of my own soldiers and the citizens a brawl might arise which would be used as a pretext for an attack upon us as i feel that i can rely upon your discretion i will tell you of some news that i received at cholula but which i have kept to myself the natives on the coast have shown themselves hostile to the garrison of a hundred and fifty men whom i left there under juan de escalante a chief near there sent in to tender his allegiance and asked that four white men should be sent to escort him to the town as soon as they got to him two of them were murdered but the other two managed to escape and made their way back don juan marched with fifty of his men and several thousand indian allies to attack the treacherous chief there was a desperate battle 
our allies fled but the soldiers stood their ground and thanks to the aid of the blessed virgin resisted all the attacks made upon them but eight of the men were slain and juan himself was mortally wounded the indian prisoners taken said that the attack like that at cholula had been made by the orders of montezuma you may do us good service by finding out what are the intentions of the mexicans therefore by all means carry out your intention of going across to tezcuco the young king is a nephew of the emperor but he has suffered much at montezuma's hands and has been stripped of the greater part of his father's dominions he can therefore hardly be friendly to him at heart at any rate you may be able to learn in conversation with him what are his sentiments towards us tezcuco was long the rival of mexico and as the alliance of the tlascalans has proved of the greatest advantage to us still more should we benefit if the tezcucans were our friends if we have to retire from mexico we might take refuge there at any rate if nothing else comes of it you might learn from the king whether he is aware of any treachery meditated against us he saved you malinche says from montezuma and the priests once and would be likely therefore to warn you did he know that danger was impending when marina had translated this roger at once agreed to do his best to discover if any treachery were meant you had best go in disguise cortez said donna marina will make arrangements for a canoe to be here after nightfall and by staining your face and putting on the attire of an aztec noble for which we have ample materials at hand would not be noticed as you pass through the throng of yon boats on the lake it would be best that you did not go as a spanish soldier you might be arrested on the road and perhaps carried away and sacrificed at one of the altars once at tezcuco you must of course act in the matter as you think best marina who was not like the spaniards confined to the palace had no difficulty in arranging for a canoe and as soon as it became dark roger dressed as an aztec cazique and with his face slightly stained took his place in it the lake was thronged with canoes but the craft in which he was seated passed without notice through them and after two hours paddling reached tezcuco telling the natives that they were to wait for his return however long that might be roger proceeded to the palace avoiding the principal streets and squares where his unusual height would attract attention he passed unquestioned into the palace amid the throng of chiefs and nobles who were entering or leaving it and made his way to the apartment of cuitcatl it was empty but clapping his hand the attendant who had before waited upon him entered as roger's attire was similar to the one he had worn while at tezcuco the man recognized him at once roger bade him go in search of cuitcatl and tell him privately that he was there and beg him to come in a few minutes cuitcatl entered the room and greeted roger most heartily i am glad indeed to see you my friend and Kalkama and the queen and the princess will rejoice also there was great anxiety for you 
after your first escape, for the emperor was furious when he heard that you had slipped off. The priests had assured him that the sacrifice of a white man to the god of war would ensure his aid and protection against the white invaders. Runners were dispatched in scores to every town and village, and although I knew that Bathalda was familiar with every foot of the country and would give his life for you, if needs be, it seemed impossible that you should be able to make your way through. Then came the news of your flight in the hills, how you had a bow that carried arrows to an unheard-of distance, and how, in a hand-to-hand -hand fight, you had prevailed against a score of our soldiers. After that, you seemed lost. The officers commanding the troops were convinced that you had not descended the eastern slopes of the mountains, and the spies which were watching every movement of the white men on the coast reported that no white men had joined them. Therefore, it was supposed that you must have returned west of the range of hills, and every town and village was searched, and every grove and plantation examined. We were all very anxious for you, and it was not until a week after we had the news of the wonderful defeat of the Tlascalans by the white men that Bathalda returned with the message you sent us and the news that you had joined the white men there. Since then we have, of course, heard nothing of you. Kakama said that he did not see you when he met Malinzin, but of course he did not examine the faces of the white soldiers, being occupied solely with their chief and the officers round him. But we all felt assured that we should hear from you shortly. So you have resumed your Aztec dress? I thought it better to do so, for the purpose of coming here, Roger replied, for if the priests want a victim so sorely, it seemed to me that, if I ventured to leave the palace dressed in my Spanish garb, I might be seized and carried off. You are quite right, Cuitcatl agreed. The priests are furious against you all, and I cannot altogether blame them. Your general may, as he says, come as an ambassador from his king to Montezuma, and if he had orders to come to his court at all costs, he was not to blame if he fought his way whenever he was opposed. But this does not justify him in insulting our religion, and even assaulting and hurling down our gods at every opportunity. He even tried to persuade the emperor that our gods were false, and spoke insolently of them yesterday when Montezuma conducted him, at his request, into the holy shrines. Kakama was one of the strongest advisers that a peaceful reception should be accorded to the white visitors, but even he is being greatly turned against them by their conduct towards our gods. Come, I will take you to the royal apartments and leave you in a room where no one will enter until I inform Kakama that you are here. A few minutes later the young king entered the apartment where Cuitcatl had placed Roger and embraced him with real affection. Truly I am glad to see you again, Roger Hawkshaw. I am glad to see you for yourself, and I hail you as a counselor, in the strange pass to which we have come. Here are Maclutha and my sister Amenche. 
the queen and the princess entered as he spoke and each gave roger their hand which bowing deeply he raised to his lips having before told them that this was the salutation among his own people to ladies of high rank we did not think roger hawkshaw when we last parted that we should meet again so soon who would have believed then that the little band of white men of whose arrival upon the coast we had heard would have made their way on to the capital when the emperor was bent upon preventing their coming we have trembled for you and have prayed the gods to protect you and greatly did we rejoice when we heard from kuakadal's follower that you had surmounted all your dangers safely and joined the whites it has been a strange time here since you left i have been for the most part at the capital the news that came from day to day of the progress of the whites filled everyone with surprise and consternation we of the council met daily but montezuma passed his time at the shrines and among the priests he was a brave warrior and a great general once but he is no longer himself my father's prophecy seems to have unmanned him and he has given himself up wholly to superstition i believe in our gods and pay them due honor but i do not hold that a man should not think for himself or that he should trust wholly in the priests who are but men like ourselves and who are methinks but poor judges of worldly affairs though wise and learned in matters concerning religion montezuma thinks otherwise and the result is that no orders have been issued no determination arrived at and we have the disgrace of seeing a handful of strangers installed in the capital mind my counsels have always been that they should be conducted honorably from the coast and treated as ambassadors but we have done neither one thing nor the other they have been loaded with gifts but forbidden to come here yet since they came in spite of orders we have seemed as if we feared to meet them and i blush at the thought of the treacherous plan to destroy them at cholula the gods had prophesied that they would find their grave there but the gods were wrong and it may be that the god of the whites is more powerful than ours if not how is it that they did not avenge the indignities offered to them by the whites at Kempoala, where their images were hurled down from their altars and at cholula where the most sacred of all the temples was attacked and captured and the emblem of the white god set up on its summit you yourself roger hawkshaw warned us against these spaniards you said that they were cruel masters to the people they had conquered and above all things cruel in the matter of religion forcing all who came under their sway to accept their god under pain of death and that they would slay even you a white man like themselves did they know that you did not belong to their people tell us what is to be done why are these men in our capital what are their objects brave and strong as they are they cannot hope to overcome a nation or to force all anahuac to forsake their own gods and to accept the god of the whites i know not what are the designs of cortez the leader whom you call malinzin 
i should say the spaniards are here with several motives in the first place there is the desire for wealth and spoil in the second religious ardor the desire to bring all within the pale of their church in the third place the love of adventure and lastly the honor they will receive at the hands of their sovereign for opening so rich an empire to his arms do you not think then they intend to conquer us cortez cannot think of doing so with the means at his disposal cacama but doubtless he has sent home reports of the richness of the country and forces many times more numerous than those under his command may be sent out to his assistance does he know that you have come hither cacama asked suddenly he does roger replied i could not leave the palace without permission and malincha told him of the kindness i had experienced at your hands he himself is uneasy at the position in which he finds himself uncertain of montezuma's intentions and fearful of an assault and he bade me to try to find out as far as might be what was the general opinion respecting the spaniards the opinion of the ignorant cacama said with a contemptuous wave of the hand is worth nothing they go where they are led they believe what they are last told they shout when they are told to shout they have no opinion of their own upon aught but what relates to themselves among the nobles the priests and the learned there is much division of opinion at present we wait but frankly at any moment a storm may follow the calm the priests who of course are bitterly hostile to the strangers are without doubt working and they have great power with all but i should say that on the whole you are safer here with me than you would be across the water there i do not mean that there is any immediate danger but you must remember that montezuma has been insulted and humiliated and made to appear small in the sight of the people he is one of the proudest of men and although at present he feigns friendship with the spaniards a moment will come when he will revolt against being thus bearded in his capital and he has but to wave his hand for these invaders to be wiped out however let us talk of other matters at present of course you are not thinking of returning to-night i intended to do so and the canoe in which i came is waiting for me we cannot think of letting you go cacama said decidedly i will send an official back with a message from you saying that you think you can do more here than by returning and that you crave leave to stay for the present but that you will come over in the morning and report to him all that you have learned here you can leave here soon after daybreak see your general and be back again before the full heat of the day as roger was in no hurry to return cuitcatl went out to dispatch an official with the message to cortez or rather to malincha as the message would then be delivered privately to him whereas if cortez were asked for the man might be brought into his presence when engaged with some of his officers roger did not know whether the fact of his being away from the palace had been made public for cortez might consider it would cause discontent among some of his followers 
were it known that their last joined recruit was permitted to leave the town, whereas no one else was allowed to stir beyond the limits of their quarters. End of chapter 14